Hello and welcome back to the CrossFit Howard podcast, episode number 70. Today we have Natalie with us. Natalie, thanks for joining us. No, thank you for inviting me. First question that goes out to everyone is why CrossFit Harrow? Well, um, I really wanted to get back into exercise. I think like for so many people this last year and a bit, yeah. lockdown has really messed up my routine. Um, went into Google and just looked for things nearby and found CrossFit Harrow. So I thought... Let me give it a go. Good. Um, and what, what had you done in the past before with, with fitness or like, because um, it was obviously your first, it was your first time doing CrossFit, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so at school and things, I did sports, played tennis, rounders, did a bit of athletics, um, did martial arts for quite a few years oh, as wow. well, um, a bit of karate, mostly taekwondo. And a bit is that as an adult or as a child? Um, so I started as a child and it went into um, adulthood. So did taekwondo through my teens and then um, then kickboxing was kind of in my mid to late twenties. Okay. Uh, yeah, late twenties. And then um, and then I did be military fit for oh, yeah. um, for about two years. That's uh, that's the out outdoors. Everything's outdoors, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How um, did you? Uh, how did you manage or cope with that like on the good on the bad days let's say yeah but do you know what I got so into it that actually was okay so initially before I tried it I thought oh my god I'm gonna hate like going in the rain and the snow and it being all muddy and awful so like, I'm not gonna like this and then I found that actually when I did it it was yeah. so much fun and, and when you get a good group with you as well yeah exactly so no it, it was good easy. fun yeah. so so fitness has been quite quite or sports let's say has mm. been quite a big part of your your life you said tennis it was something that you still play um so not anymore no unfortunately but yeah I did play a bit um at school and kind of just for fun when I was younger like going to classes and things like that yeah was it yeah. a lot of after school clubs and, and things like that as well? um yeah I used to do you know what my mum used to send me off to like all these clubs and things I did ice skating as well oh, wow. um for a few years um so yeah I used to do like take exams in that um, I think it's important that, that people do try different sports because mm. otherwise you just in previous podcasts we spoke about like you only do like guys would generally do football yeah girls might do athletics or swimming and it's yeah. like there's no crossover to any other sports yeah um you just about to say you do exactly sorry i cut you off exams in in ice skating yeah in ice skating and stuff so i did a bit of free skating a little bit of ice dancing for a bit when i was younger so that was yeah a lot of fun wow i've tried ice skating that, yeah. it's quite it's quite hard it is it's fun but yeah. it, it's difficult um and then so job wise public health doctor yes what what is a public health doctor um so i mean i train as a medical doctor okay um and then my specialty is public health so it's really about um protecting the health of the population so rather than seeing individual patients um i work on things at a population level it's about improving people's health protecting people's health um and supporting healthcare systems so do they would these people come to you or like in normal time or would you go out and visit them so this would be so sometimes you might do community projects okay. but it's not a patient facing role Fine. um so we might work on projects to support the health of um, a population like most recently i've been working in a hospital and doing projects to support um the staff in the hospital so around staff well-being um around cycling like encouraging staff to get on their bikes things like that yeah i would imagine the well-being part's quite quite big at the moment especially the last like 18 months with like yeah. the hospital system being quite overwhelmed with the amount of stuff they've had to do yeah is it quite definitely. a big uh, has there been quite a big dent into like that side of things like people uh struggling at work 
Yeah, it, it's been really challenging. Um, I think for particularly for, for clinical staff um, in the hospitals, they've come, to, come under a lot of pressure. People have re- been redis- redeployed um, yeah. to support different areas um, of the hospitals and things. So it has been really challenging. So part of my work was um, just supporting people around their well-being, checking in with people, making sure that they're okay, finding out what we can do to, to help them. What, what um, support system or kind of things that you put into place, what, would you, what have you found that works really, really well? What do like a lot of people take use of? Mm. Is there anything in particular that they've, they, you know, you've said, oh, we're gonna do this or, you know, how can we help? And they said, this is what I need. So I think one thing that was really, really popular was we were offering uh, one-to-one calls for staff who were shielding or okay. had been um, away from work for a long time. And people found that intervention really, really useful. Just having somebody to talk to. Would you have met some of these before? or No, no. no. Okay. So I hadn't met them. So I had phone calls with them. Um, and it was just really giving people an opportunity to talk. And that was really helpful. And I think they found it easier to open up to someone who's a stranger (laughs) yeah basically um but you know it's just someone like i can literally just sit on the end of a phone and just listen to them um and say okay like you know this is what we've got um in terms of support this is where i'm going to signpost you to you know that kind of thing um but yeah that that intervention was definitely very very um well received good i I would imagine that over that period of time there would have been like People also crying out for support and needing mm. it, but then also at the same time, it'd be people that really, really need it, but wouldn't speak up that they need it. And it'd be like trying to kind of poke at them to be like, look, we can help, but you need to tell us that you need help. Yeah, I think that was it. And some people find it difficult to, to ask say, for help. I need yeah, help. Yeah, 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 exactly. So doing this, like being able to identify the people who um, were shielding, just being able to offer them that call and say like do you need this help you know, some people are like oh no i'm absolutely fine but thank you so much for calling like it's really nice and that to means know. quite a lot to them in exactly. just in general yeah people were like oh it's so nice to know that you were thinking of me yeah even though they didn't need any support they were perfectly fine yeah and and how did you get into the kind of medical school like what is that all you've always wanted to do Funnily enough, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, so from school, I actually decided. So I was either it was either going to be Spanish um, or like biology for me. So two completely different things. Um, and in the end, I went down a science route. I studied physiology. Um, coming out of school, I thought I wanted to be a research scientist. That was okay. my plan. And then third year of uni, I did um, my dissertation. It was like this lab-based project and I absolutely hated it. I was like, okay, this is not for me at all. What did you do on an actual, like, you you were in the lab studying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had, um, God, I had, you know those little pipettes yep. that you've got? And I was used to play around with like them dropping, in science. Yep, yep, exactly that. I was like dropping solutions into, we were running um, these tests and things. It was on, um, they were on cancer cells, basically. Okay. Um, and it just, I was like, this is not for me. And this is your dissertation that you've done? That was my dissertation, yeah, for my third year. Um, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, need a plan B. Didn't have a plan B at that point. Um, and thought, okay, what am I gonna do? And um, some of the modules that I did um, when I was studying physiology were quite medical. They were quite clinical. Okay. Um, we got the opportunity to go and watch open heart surgery. Wow. As well, which was, Oh, it was uh, it was just amazing. It was yeah. fascinating. Were you allowed to film it? No, 
no. Um, but I remember we were like, I went with my friends and we could look through this little window at them doing the surgery and just like watching this heartbeat. I was like, that's incredible. That must be so amazing scene in real life. It was amazing. It really was. How um, long would that procedure? Do you remember how long that was? Took a few hours. Yeah. Took a few hours. Do the, the, do the nurses and doctors like get, get breaks or they just like, they power through, they just work through? Um, I mean, the surgeons just That's kind it. of there surgeons working right through, people. yeah, on their feet. So they've got to have really good concentration. I could imagine. Um, yeah. Skills and things like that. It's pretty amazing. Uh, to definitely watch. a steady hand as well. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. Um, has that like lived with you since you've seen that? Yeah, it's definitely something that I always remember because it was just such a cool experience. Um, and it was that and seeing I also saw what the medics were studying and I was like this just looks really interesting um, so I thought I'm going to apply for medicine and we'll see what happens I didn't really expect to get in but I thought I'm going to give it a go and and then I got um, yeah I got a place what, so, what, what's the what would be the like what's the procedure how to like what would you do to, to apply um, so you've, you've got your normal UCAS procedure okay um, had to write a personal statement as to why I wanted to do medicine um, had to have the grades as well so I was I was applying as a graduate so I had um, already had my A-level grades and stuff so that was fine um, you have to show like good extracurricular activities as well and you've got to have work experience too so I actually took a year out after um, studying physiology and I got a job in a hospital I was a receptionist um, and I just used that as an opportunity to get experience in the hospital yeah yeah exactly yeah. working with patients doctors nurses what would a day in hospital look like yeah as a receptionist when in that work experience in that, yeah that yeah um yeah well each each day varied so I um so one day I could be prepping for one of my clinics. So I'd literally, I'd get a list of notes and a whole pile of notes brought to me. And then I'd have to see which ones were missing. I would go around the hospital looking for them. And these are all about patients? Yeah, so all the patients who were coming to the clinic that I was receptioning for. Okay. So I'd go around the hospital looking for the notes. They might be in different offices. They might be in medical records. Sometimes they're lost. Like So you go trekking around with the trolley trying to find notes and things. Um, and then you'd prep all the notes for your clinic. So you'd have to put a pro forma in, get the date in there, stamp them, make sure they're all ready, pack them up in your trolley. And then when you've got a clinic to do, you take your trolley out to the reception desk. Um, you deal with all the patients who come through. You check them in. When you say clinic, what do you mean by that? Um, so like a rheumatology clinic. Okay. For example. So everyone comes from there for their rheumatology appointment. So Fine. that was the specialty that I used to deal with. Oh, right. Um, so... Yeah, I'd check the patients in, um, get the notes out, make sure that they got to the doctor, um, book people's appointments. Um, the days I was in the office, I'd take phone calls from patients and things and just, yeah. Support. It gave you quite a good understanding, like the day-to-day -day running of the clinics in the hospital and stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just good experience of interacting with patients as yeah. well. So that year worked out pretty well, work experience, and that gave you the opportunity yeah. to, to get into medical school. Yeah. And how long was medical school? Um, so I did five years. Wow. On top of uni. The three years I'd done before, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How, like, there's two, for me, like, as a, being in school, school, I wasn't very good at school. Mm. Um, I didn't feel like I learned a lot of school. I don't feel like school served me. Mm. I don't feel like I was built for school. Yeah. Um, I didn't do too bad, but I wasn't great. 
Um, and there's an old saying that school isn't built for entrepreneurs. Um, and I truly believe yeah. that. Um, but as an adult now, mm. like I could go back to learning because I want to understand a lot more, mm. but I find it hard, harder to absorb that information. How mm. was that for you as an adult? Because you, would you, were you just studying or were you learning at, on the job too? How, how have you taken like absorbing that information as an adult? Because it's not easy as when you're a kid, you're a sponge, really, mm, you take it all yeah. in. Yeah, I definitely noticed a difference. Did you, definitely. yeah? Yeah, um, it is a lot more challenging, um, for sure. So first, first two years in medical school was just um, pretty much just studying. Um, and then from third year onwards, we would be on the wards um, and things, seeing patients. So it was a mixture of lectures. Um, would your lectures be like as you're moving around the hospital, like learning about things? No, so we had um, we had our lecture theatres at okay. the university, but then we had placements oh. at hospitals um, where we would go, but then we would have like tutorials and things with, um, with some of the doctors there okay. as well. So we did have some learning on the job too. Yeah, that, that's, mm. uh, I think, especially in that line of field is probably where you, I would imagine that people learn a lot because they get to see it in the flesh. Yeah, exactly, that's it. You get to put it into practice. Like in the first two years, we did um, dissection as well. So we would, we would learn the anatomy in our lectures, but then we would actually go and dissect the bodies and be able to um, understand it in the flesh, so to speak. And, and also, like, how, how was that for you, like seeing that in person? Like, yeah. it's all good studying it and seeing it you know, pictures of models and stuff like that, mm. of, of human, you know, but actually seeing humans, deceased humans is yeah. quite, would it take you back a little bit? Yeah, like, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot, I guess, to to, to see human bodies there. Um, it's something that you kind of, I don't want to say become accustomed to, but yeah, you, you kind of do. And they're very, you know, you're very much taught to like treat those with respect. Um, so that was really like, that was the ethos from the beginning. It's like the people here have given us a gift. Like they're doing this to help us learn. Cause they um, would have, they would have donated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's very respectful. Um, it's a really useful learning process. I think my university, at least at the time was, um, not all universities do dissection. Okay. So So you were quite fortunate in that sense. Yeah, to, to get that opportunity. Um and yeah, you do you do adjust to it. Yeah, eventually do. Yeah. I would imagine it might not everyone would. There might be someone in your class or, or your team that probably, you know, may have struggled or um mm. it'd be quite hard to adjust to. It takes time. It takes yeah, time. it can take time. I think with a lot of things in medicine, you know, because yeah. it's so it, there's a big emotional element to it with it yeah definitely yeah. so it can take you time to adjust to certain things so you've you done that you completed those five years mm. um and then after that fifth year what what happened next so then it's like working as a junior doctor okay um so in medicine the first two years after you qualify are called your foundation years right so and they're compulsory you have to do those yeah everyone has to do those yeah so i uh went into working on a ward um, as a newly qualified doctor, um, which is a yeah, I can imagine big shock to the system. Your sure. first day must have been like, ah, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sums it up because it's it, 
I, I from in my, from my point of view, it's it, mm. it seems like it's very it's very reactive, isn't it? Um, well, it, I might be wrong. As in day to day, you generally would react to things that have happened to a patient. There's obviously the proactive stuff we get preparing stuff, but it would. Am I right in saying that it's quite a reactive job? Um, yeah, so there are definitely reactive elements to it for sure. So you've got those kind of proactive bits. You might you go on a ward round, let's say, um, with the with the senior doctors in your team. Um, you'll understand what's happening with each patient. And as the most junior member of the team, you kind of write down all the jobs and things. You're the person who writes in the notes. Um, make sure that you've got grip of everything that needs to be done. And then once that ward round's finished, you'll go round and you'll do all those tasks. Is that for each patient? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you go and see each patient within your specialty. So for example, I started on general medicine, um, specifically on diabetes. Okay. Um, and so we had a whole list of patients that we would go and see every day. You make a note of everything that's going on with that patient and whether or not there's a job to do. For it. So for example, do they need blood tests? Um, do they need a scan on? Stuff like that. So you've got your whole list of jobs that you'll then start to work through during the day. But then, like you said, you've also got the reactive things. So if someone becomes ill during the day, you need to go and see them. Um, the nurses might bleep you and say to you, oh, I need some help with this. Can you help me do that? Like, whatever it is. Um, Alarm might go off. Yeah, exactly. One of the patients becomes unwell. You need to go and support them. Um, And then you've also got your on-call shifts. Um, So for me, um, where I worked, we used to have... So we would do weekends on call. We would do a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday um, on call. Okay. um, Which was several hours in the evening for the medical rotation. Um, And then we would also have midweek on calls as well. Um, So that's when you're you're on call basically for the whole of all the medical patients in the hospital so a nurse on another ward can bleep you about a patient that you've never seen before and in you then have to go and find out what's wrong with that patient and, wow. and help them and you would have had no history of that patient before you wouldn't have worked obviously you wouldn't have worked <laughs> no, with them no. and if the hospital was very big you could literally be going from one side to another yeah yeah it's a very challenging job isn't it yeah Definitely. I don't think there's ever an easy day. No. There's easier days, yeah. but never an easy day. No, um, no, I wouldn't say an easy day. But yeah, like it's some days easier. Because the hours are quite long as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they can be. There's so, no kind of standard nine to five in hospital. So how would you have managed, how do you manage training and your, your own, not necessarily even training, but just your own mm. life around that? Yeah, quite. It, it kind of took a backseat in the beginning. I mean, the, the first year I was working, um, I was doing kickboxing then. And I remember there were so many classes that I just did not get to because I just could not leave the hospital on time. Yeah. I suppose in your first year, you also want to absorb everything that you can and want to be seen as like, you know, I'm here to want to learn and not just kind of passing the time. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't feel like you can get by anyway by doing that Mm. um you kind of just have to be there just be really present and um i don't know for me i was like i want to do this to the best of my ability so um it's not the kind of job where you're like right it's five o'clock like i'm leaving because if someone gets sick yeah of course and i I think most most people going into nursing or or, you know being doctors that they they, that you sign up for that you that's an expectation kind of you know that's not going to happen yeah um, but it's just very interesting to see how, like, you know, managing certain 
supporting you know your 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 fitness your your own health your own mm. social life because obviously they are that's what makes you enjoy your career as well right it's all yeah. kind of goes hand in hand it can't just be work 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 no no you want to have a balance mm. and i yeah definitely tried as best i could like i did sign up to the gym there did the kickboxing classes and things like that um but yeah sometimes work just Took means over. that yeah exactly you can't do those things so you, do, have you stayed in that same job since in the same same place or have you you've moved you moved hospitals and, and progressed from there right yeah so um in my second year i moved to a different hospital so that was my second foundation year okay um then after that i actually had a year where i went back to university and did a master's wow um, you haven't so stopped learning <laughs> i spent a lot of time at university what, what, what's because I, I do know a few people that have done masters what, what's your mm. decision behind wanting to do a master's so for me, it was actually because um, I had, I'd applied for um, psychiatry training. Okay. So after you do your first two years, um, typically what you do is then specialize. And I'd applied for psychiatry and I didn't actually get in. Um, and so I needed, again, I needed a plan B. And um, I, I'd been interested in public health. I spoke to a careers advisor who suggested that I do a master's to see if I liked it. So I thought, okay, I'll try. So. I applied for masters and um, I worked part time um, in uh, in the hospital to like, fund my way through that. Um, so yeah, that was my reasoning behind it. it was what was your masters in? Um, public health. Public health. Yeah. Public health. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of learning. That's <laughs> a, five years, six years, as six years of your adult life, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Well, from Post, eight, from eighteen, yeah. so three. It was nine years in total at university. Nine. Yeah. It's wow. a lot. Are you would you go back to learning? Would you do more? I wouldn't go back to university. <laughs> no, I've reached my limit. I, I can imagine nine, yeah. nine years of you. Yeah. Um, but you also you you volunteer as a mentor mentor with African Caribbean medical mentors. Yes. To support Black African and Caribbean young people applying to medical school. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you. How did you get into that? Um. So I. So for me, like. Being a black woman and studying medicine and working as a doctor, I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me yeah. as doctors. Um, and for me, that representation is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking for some volunteering to do, uh, what was this, coming up to probably three years ago. And um, I actually came across something on Twitter and saw something there and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Let me look into this a bit more. Um, and saw that they had opportunities for mentors. And I thought, do you know what, actually, this is something that's close to my heart. Yeah. Um, I want to try and make a difference in this area. So yeah, signed up as a mentor. So what does that involve you being, so who, who do you mentor and where, where, do, where, where do you find the participants to, to get involved in the program? Yeah, so the charity, okay. they um, identify um, people who want to apply for medical school. And do um, they come from all over the world, all over the UK? They're from the UK. UK. Um, yeah, so they've tended to be London based. Um, so they will match you up with okay. a mentee. Um, that is either someone who's in school um, or who has already done a degree and wants to apply for medicine um, as a graduate. So they'll put you together. And um, yeah, the process is then really supporting them through their application. Would these be, would these people, would they be black African Caribbean young people who haven't had the opportunity 
whether it be financially or haven't had the opportunity through the positions they've been in what would how was that yeah so typically it will be like um maybe there's you know don't have the don't go to like a school that's like really really amazing recognized or something or, like yeah. that where they have a lot of or um where they have a lot of people going on to do medicine or something like that for example. That, i think that that's fascinating do, do, so do, is there a lot of people that come through this program um, so I we we get matched with like one mentee each. Okay, so, so you care. focus solely on that one yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they do outreach with schools um, as well. You no, know, they go into schools, work with them, do um, provide interview practice, um, okay. things like they do a lot of things. Yeah. And this is purely yeah. just for the medical school element of it. That one, they, these these people want to move purely into medical school. So they do dentistry as well. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's honestly. I think that's uh, that's amazing. Um, it gives people an opportunity who may not have had it. Yeah. Um, do you find that there are any? Do you find that there are barriers in 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 in, uh, in medical school? I think often people who go on to become doctors have parents who are doctors, or they've got close family members who are doctors. Um, or they've been to particular schools or particular universities, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think that if you haven't had those opportunities or um, those examples within your family, then then often it can be harder. Like those yeah. can set up barriers. And I think that kind of underrepresentation of um, of people from a black background. Um, I think that can be a barrier as well yeah. for, for young black people who want to do medicine, who yeah. don't see people who look like them yeah. becoming doctors. Do you, since you start medical school, medical school, do you feel there has been an increase in black, young, African, Caribbean people coming through the ranks and more into doctors and getting more positions? Or is it still that there is, a, just still there isn't that, there's still a bridge? I think there's still a bridge. Okay. Um, I still there. I still feel like there's a way to go. Like in public health, I think I'm seeing more um, people from Black African, African and Caribbean backgrounds in senior positions, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is definitely a positive. But yeah, we can definitely improve still. Keep keep improving it. Yeah. Um, and then I see here that you are a qualified personal stylist. <laughs> yeah. How have you, with all this nine years studying, the work that you do, how do you fit in time? Um, and when did you qualify to become a personal stylist? Um, so I qualified in 2019. Okay. It was something that I wanted to do actually from when I started working as a junior doctor. Um, and at the time I couldn't afford to do a course. So it kind of got put on the back burner for a while. And then eventually in 2019, I took the plunge and decided, yeah, just to go for it. Amazing. You've done that in 2019, but something that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. And what's kind of the aim for it? Where do you want it to, to, to go? Is it something that you're wanting to style people? Is it something that you wanted to grow online? What, what's the aim? Yeah, um, so yeah, styling people. It's really about um, building people's confidence through their clothes yeah. and helping people find their personal style. Um, in your position that you mm. kind of, in your studies, have you found that just people don't know how to dress? Because there is a... That sounds quite harsh, but you, the, the appearance of someone can drastically change with, yeah. just by what they're wearing, let alone like the way they style their hair or yeah. the way that if, if I didn't have a beard, for example, people probably wouldn't recognize me. Yeah. Um, so do you find that 
there's a massive uh, change in that? I think um, there's definitely... I think you do kind of see people maybe just not realising what, um, what necessarily works for them. Uh, so maybe not understanding their body shape 100%. Yeah, I think that's quite a big colours one. colours work for them, yeah. Um, <laughs> and... I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I recently went to the barbers yeah. uh, and there's going to be people laughing whilst they're watching this at me. And uh, I saw a particular hairstyle that I like and I showed him the picture mm. and he's like, I can't do that to you because mm. one, you don't have the head shape and two, your hair's not that thick. And I'm grateful that he gave me that honesty. Mm. Um, but it was quite a harsh reality to be like, I'm actually never going to have <laughs> that hair yeah. uh, or that style. Um, so... I think body shapes quite when it comes to clothes there's certain colors for example uh, I guess and fits that people should and shouldn't wear depending on their shape yeah so I think there are things definitely that are more flattering to your body shape or to your your skin tone whatever that is and, and less flattering but I'm also very much of the opinion that you know if you love something and it makes you feel good yeah um, even if it's not you know the perfect thing for your body shape or the perfect color for you like if you feel good in it go for it makes you feel comfortable yeah essentially is that like a happiness element right yeah exactly um so do you you working with people at the moment um so i just worked with a friend recently and did a color analysis for her and just did um, a styling session for someone else recently um so yeah it's kind of I'm really I'm taking kind of small steps with it because working full time as well is is challenging. Um, How big do you want it to go? Is it some? Is it just a hobby for you at the moment? I know that you've mentioned about like slowly increasing your your business, but is it something yeah. that you want to take on a on a bigger scale? Um, I'd like to build it up more, um, probably so that I could do it, kind of work both jobs part time um, alongside each other. Oh, right. I would love to do that in the future. Um, so yeah, but at the moment it's kind of a side hustle, should we say? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. What are some of the do's and don'ts with, let's start with women's fashion. Yeah. Um, what would be some of the do's and don'ts for women in terms of, uh, I don't know, clothing choices, colors, yeah. fit? Okay, so I would say one of the big ones um, is definitely go for something that fits you. So sometimes people buy um, a size too big because they think it will hide their shape if they're not feeling very confident about their weight. Um, that is not a good way to go. You end up looking bigger. Yeah. Um, so definitely go for your fit. Don't worry. Don't get hung up on on labels and sizes and things because size can vary between yeah, shops I've, as well. Yeah, I found that even as a male um, yeah. in jeans, for example, and bottoms that a thirty might be something. I'm a thirty. I yeah. recently friends getting married and. Mm. Uh, I'm a 30 waist in most mm. of the jeans that I wear, mm. but I couldn't I couldn't get the 30s past my my, my knees. Like that's it, um, yeah. So different brands, different have different sizing. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, male fashion. Male fashion, um, I've done less of. Okay. Um, but um, so if you're going, let's say for like formal wear, just having something you know really nicely tailored. It's um, so important, isn't it? Yeah. It does completely change the appearance. Yeah. Definitely, just a good fit, good tailoring. Um, if you're going for formal wear, yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> that makes a big difference. You can, you can, you can really. If you were to have two people next to each other, one with a fitted suit mm. and one just to, like bog standard and have no change to it, you can yeah. really tell the difference. It yeah. changed the whole body shape. Yeah, the style of it. Exactly. Um, 
so are you when when working with people uh, for the styling mm. how do you approach that or, or do they approach you is it a case of like where well, you said before you done a, was it a color analysis that you said you, yeah. that you've done yeah how does that work um so it might be so you know someone might say to me that they would like something done I'd like you to do my colors for me or um so when they say that do they mean like yeah. finding out what colors suit their body shape mm. size style etc yeah so their skin tone their hair color eye color that kind of thing okay um or it might be I need some help with my wardrobe I need to kind of understand what fits me or what suits me and that kind of thing or I need to just go through my wardrobe and, and find what works for me in there um so then well, I'll like give them a uh, questionnaire and ask them some questions um, about like what kind of styles they like, what colours they like, what they don't like, um, what they struggle with in terms of dressing themselves, all of those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, we'll sit down, we'll go through that questionnaire. Um, and then if it's like going through their wardrobe, so I'll go and... Um, oh, will you, will you go there to, to, to the, the yeah. wardrobe? To yeah, yeah. yeah, go through their wardrobe with them. So take out the clothes that they um, don't have any trouble with, clothes that they do have trouble with dressing, clothes that they're not too sure about. Go and like create some new outfits um, with them from the clothes that they've already got and then identify gaps in the wardrobe. So where they might need some, might need to add things. So buy some things that might be some belts some uh, like accessories and, stuff yeah, to go with that. stuff like that exactly um and then there might be a shopping trip involved so i'll go beforehand um look at the look at some clothing options for them and then yeah i'll take them around try them on so when you said that it was something that you always wanted to get into mm. um what why where did this come from were you growing up like Reading magazines, reading about it, like what, 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 where did it come from? No, I was actually not at all. Um, so never really had a huge amount of interest in fashion. Okay. Um, but actually, when I started working as a junior doctor, um, I you notice you know, that some people would dress really badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we were saying, you know how the job was so stressful. Yeah. And um, actually, one of the things that I could do for me was um was dressed nicely okay and i know that sounds a bit that can sound a bit silly well no i but i guess it was you know helping you day to day it was... yeah exactly it was i'd kind of gotten into clothes a bit more when i was like midway through medical school like when we had to go and see patients on the wards you know you had to dress a bit smarter um and yeah then when i became a junior doctor really started to kind of find my own style and that okay. just gave me a bit more confidence really and I started thinking like oh, okay you know what actually this can make a real difference to people yeah yeah absolutely mm. um you said at the beginning that uh one of the things that you studied was Spanish yeah you're I remember speaking to you long uh, back in I think January February you, you you speak fluent Spanish right uh I speak decent Spanish so I'm, I'm not quite as fluent as I'd like to be but and you're studying a few more other languages I study Italian as well how they're very similar languages aren't they yeah yeah quite similar do you get it do you, do you find that they get mixed up sometimes yeah sometimes i do have you have you visited both countries yes and found it easy to communicate and um so in spain like i'm okay communicating with people over there that's fine italy um i think when i went i didn't speak very much italian so i didn't communicate with anyone there um in spain do they have um different dialects 
like different accents yeah so they do they have different dialects in uh, some different parts of the country and also the accent varies yeah. a lot so in the south of spain for example that's they've got some more challenging accents down there yeah I, to be honest i actually find that um i understand my dad's italian very well where he's mm. like where he's from but like if if someone speaks to me in italian in a certain speed mm. I, I, it's too fast for me difficult um and even still to this to this day, yeah. I can't understand. I'd have to slow it down and like, it takes me a while to, to, process, it. to process it in my head. But they say that language becomes easier when, you, when someone's talking to you and you're thinking in that same language. Yeah, I think that's when you realize that you've got a grasp of, of that, that language yeah. and you're not having to translate it into English in your yeah. head kind of thing. Because that's a process that you have to go, right, they've said yeah. this and then what does that mean? Yeah, And then exactly. you've got to speak it. Exactly, yeah. What made you choose um, Spanish and then why Italian? Mm. So Spanish was actually because, so I started learning it when I first started secondary school. I actually wanted to do uh, French, okay. but my dad had always wanted to learn Spanish. So he's like, I want you to do Spanish. So I ended Spanish. up choosing Spanish yeah. um, and I, I ended up really loving it. And so continued it all the way through to A-level and stuff and have done it on and off since then. Um, and then Italian, I was in, what was it? I was in medical school and I had an opportunity to do a language um, as part of my studies. Oh, wow. And um, I thought, why not Italian? Like, it's just a nice, it's a really nice language. Yeah. Kind of similar to Spanish in some ways. So it might be a bit easier Easy for to me pick to pick up. up. Yeah. Yeah. Big question. Mm. Out of the two countries that you visited, yeah. which one do you prefer? Be very <laughs> careful how you answer this. I'm joking. Um, which, which one would you prefer? I've and been, why? I've been to Spain a lot more okay. than Italy. I've only been to Italy a couple of times, but I would say that one of the nicest places, possibly actually, I think the nicest place I've ever been to is Florence. Okay, I actually, oh no, I haven't been actually. Beautiful, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. It's so nice. The food for me, it. obviously. I, I, actually, in fact, I don't think I've actually been to Spain, but I would obviously choose Italy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the food, I just can't go with food when I go to Italy. Yeah, so good. It's amazing. Where's your family from in Italy? They're from a very tiny, tiny village down south, um, okay. and the Malfi coast, like close by. Yeah. Um, nice. So the just, w I think, whatever part of Italy you go to, you are guaranteed to eat amazing yeah. food. Yeah, you're blessed with good food. Um, what uh, what other countries have, have you visited um, and can you speak any other languages apart from Spanish and Italian? Um, so I can't speak any other languages properly, but I can count to 10 in a few different languages. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Was this something from school where you've just learned? Or... They're just things I've picked up. Over, like doing martial arts, you learn to count in different languages. Okay. So like a little bit in Japanese, a little bit in Korean um, from doing karate and taekwondo. Um, I've been to India. Um, was that through through medical school or just as a holiday? No, so that was um, just as a holiday. So I went with a friend. Her family are from India. They've okay. got a house. Her grandparents have got a house there. So she invited me on holiday. Um, so I spent two and a half weeks in India, which was wow. great. Yeah, it was really, really fun holiday. Yeah, really I would enjoyed imagine it. so. I've, yeah. I've never been this place I'd like to go. It's, it's really cool. It's, yeah, just completely different to culture and, and experience. But... I felt you like, must have ate, ate, like good food there as well. Yeah, it was so nice. It yeah. was such good food, yeah. Um, and I felt like I could really have a proper experience because I wasn't staying in a hotel. I was like, staying in a village and a family authentic. home and everything. Yeah, so it felt very authentic. Um, as part of medical school, I went to Peru. 
Okay. That was nice as well. Yeah, that's a country that I'd love to, to visit, like the whole South America side. I'd love to go there. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your, what's your next, like what are your personal goals at the next six to 12 months? Um, well, I'm starting a new job okay. on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, that is for me kind of getting, um, feeling confident in that role. Is it a completely um, new role? Yeah, so it's it's public health yeah. um, doctor still, but it's it's a more senior role, so okay. it's going to be a big step up. So mm. I think personal goal for me is just you know really kind of developing my confidence in that role um, and in a more senior position. Yeah. Um, I want to. I've got I've got CrossFit goals. Yeah, well. that, yeah, yeah. That was so. I wasn't sure if there's any. So yeah, let's go on to that. What what are yeah. your fitness goals now for the next six yeah. to 12 months? So I really want to, I want to build my fitness and I really want to get stronger okay. as well. Um, the strength for me is a big thing. Um, you know, coming into CrossFit, like it's, it, it's very new, you know, like we said at the beginning, I've yeah. never done CrossFit before. Um, and I'm still kind of working on getting that upper body strength. Well, a lot of your sports that you played as a child would have been like, endurance-based sports, mm. muscle endurance-based sports, where obviously there is an element of that of, of that in CrossFit too. Mm. But actually, it, there's a lot, there's a massive strength element to CrossFit as well. Yeah. Which, you know, through the training that you've done in the past, might not have touched that as much. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, I've never, before coming to CrossFit, I've never really done um, much in terms of weight lifting. Yeah. Like, barely anything. So, that is, that's been a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah. Was that, that was that because um, had never been shown how to? Was that just never ventured that part, part of the gym? Because I know obviously there's been a lot, there's a stigma around like, you know, women and weight training, mm -hmm. stuff like that, which shouldn't be, but um, is that part of the reason? I mean, I, I was never really a gym goer, if I'm honest. Like, um, it's only since, or probably just before COVID, I think, that I actually started going to the gym regularly. So even though I joined a gym a long time ago, never used to go that much if I'm honest um and when I was going to the gym more recently I was doing classes first of all okay and then when I started when I stopped doing classes and started working out on my own um I wouldn't do much in the way of weights I think really because I didn't know what to yeah, do yeah <laughs> I, I think it's more I, I always say that I think females tend to naturally go towards that kind of cardio element mm. of training while gents would always go to that weight training I think it's yeah. like I don't know it's kind of in our heads that that's the only way that we you know if you don't know how that's the only way that you can train that's the thing yeah and I think when you for me anyway because I didn't know how I just felt like I was going to embarrass myself because yeah, I didn't really I know what that. to do so I just I thought let me just stick with what I know like literally when I went to the gym I had to look up um, videos beforehand I was like okay what exercises do I do because I just I wasn't a gym goer I yeah. was like I can run on a treadmill well, you're not supposed to know why but would you know that's yeah. it why, why <laughs> so, would you know yeah. so the so goal of is improving strength getting upper body uh, strength to a, mm. to a certain level finding that you can press above head and things like that more comfortably any other fitness goals that you've got anything you want to achieve um, yeah just still kind of that overall fitness, overall fitness. I just want to up my overall fitness I want to be able to get through a class and not be like flat out on the ground at the end of it <laughs> we've all been there we've all been there um Natalie we've run out of time to, for today so thank you very much for joining us Pleasure. um guys and girls join us back next week <laughs>